Welcome back to Specialty Coffee Talk, the show where we talk high-quality coffee in a low-quality way so you can love it as much as we do. This is the second episode of 2018. We're dropping bombs, people. Oh, man. We're bringing it hard in 2018. We're going big. Today, we have a conversation with Long Miles Coffee. Eric, how fun was it to talk to them? Oh, man. So Ben and Christy and uh, just just hearing all about the, the farming, uh, washing station, the business. I, there's so much that goes into it, and my mind exploded. There's a lot that goes into it, and it's hard to think of everything you want to ask in the, in the moment. Um, but we were able to, you know, have a good conversation, and hopefully it's informative and interesting to you. So let's get into the conversation. All right, Ben and Christy, so good to be with you this morning on the Specialty Coffee Talk podcast. Um, just before we get started, can you go ahead and answer just a quick little lightning round of questions? What is each of your uh, favorite coffee drinks? Favorite coffee drinks? Oh, I like, uh, for me, it's a, it's a pour over. Kalita Wave, fully washed, pour over. Mm, I I hate to be a samer, but mine is the same. <laughs> and what is your favorite country of origin? Obviously, you can say Burundi, but what a, <laughs> what kind of what's your favorite to taste from right now? Of course, uh, totally Burundi. It has to be Burundi. Why wouldn't you want? I mean, that's the coffee you drink every day, and you don't get bored, right? It is. It actually I've been drinking it for years, and I'm still not bored. Just, I mean, side note on that is, I mean, I would, I love other origins, love tasting other origins. Um, I actually really love anytime I get a SL28, um, just this bright, you know, acidic coffees. But whenever I give anything to Christy, don't tell her, but if it's a non-Burundi, she's like, oh, what is this? Is this defective? I'm like, that's not defective. That's a uh, fill in the country of, uh, <clears throat> fill in the country. <laughs> okay, so that goes into our next one. What what's your favorite process? Is it that washed washed process? This is probably where we well maybe we don't differ. Mine's fully washed. Yeah, uh, we and we say fully washed just because Burundi you can do like farm washed, single washed, double fermented, honey natural, but definitely fully washed coffee. Okay, and we are going to totally dive into that because we've talked about processes on the show before. But we talk about it as complete amateurs. And so hearing exactly what you guys, it's going to be so exciting. So we will get there. Man, I'm excited. Okay. What was there? What, when is the moment? Like, do you guys each have a moment of this is when I finally understood what coffee could be and how good it could taste? It doesn't have to taste like, uh, you know, just a cup from 7-Eleven. <laughs> like when, when? Charcoal. Yeah. I think, I think for me, there was... In 2010, I was doing a consulting job to Burundi, and they had just newly privatized the coffee sector. I, to be honest, I'd never tasted a Burundi before, and I was just coming in to cup uh, coffees to see if there it could be specialty, if you could micro-lot it, and what the potential of it is. First day at the cupping table, first cup, tasted it, and I was like, this is amazing, and nobody knows it. Hey, Christy, Christy, what about you? I think it's probably our first harvest. 
like the first time seeing like having race to build this station and then just seeing the coffee on the tables, just realizing this is this is gonna work potentially, we hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I guess it's not actually drinking coffee, but that's kind of the moment for me. So that that brings us really naturally into so what like what why are you guys over in Burundi like did you, were you born there? No, as far as I know, you were born here in the States. You guys took your whole family, you moved over. So what's that? What's that whole story? What was the mission? Why did you guys go over there? What have you created while you've been there? Uh, what's your vision? Uh, let, let's get into all that. Oh man, that's, that's, that's the deep, that's, that's jumping into the pit there. <laughs> um, I, I think I, I was born, I was born in Wisconsin and Christy's born in Minnesota and we met at, in, at Winona State University, this little state university in Minnesota. And as soon as we graduated, we moved to South Africa. So this was way back in, what, 2002. Mm-hmm. And we never really left Africa since. Um, well, we visited the States. But in about 20, in 2010, I took this, I had started coffee consulting along the way in South Africa. And in 2010, had an opportunity to go to Burundi to do this job of finding if Burundi could be specialty coffee, could it be micro-latted. And I think it was at that point, Christy and I had been talking about doing something in coffee. I think, Christy, you told me, I'm doing so many uh I'm just getting so much joy and I'm, I'm loving coffee consulting so much. Why don't we just do that? Something in coffee. And so we first uh, moved to Burundi with, with the sense of, well, let's just go for two years and it'll be like my getting a PhD or getting a master's in coffee. I think that was, that was our start, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the vision. So that, and that, was, that was 2010. So we actually moved to Burundi in 2011. And I remember I just, maybe kind of like, you know, the specialty coffee talk with, you know, Philip and Eric, this is, you know, like you just dream, you're jumping out there. I, I, I didn't really know what I was jumping into. Um, pretty, pretty, I'm not saying this is you guys, but I'm just saying I was pretty naive um, jumping into it. That is definitely us. No, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to put that mantle on you at all. I, I, I don't know where I was going. I just remember Christy and I just saying, you know what, everything, you know, to, to learn coffee, I, I knew I didn't want to roast. I didn't want to be, Christy had, had a little foray into owning a coffee shop for a year. Didn't want to own a coffee not, shop. Not in Burundi. This is before. This was in South Africa. And so we knew we didn't want to own a coffee shop or roast or import but we really wanted to work with farmers and we wanted to work in Africa and we wanted to work with the kind of rural poor communities and impact change there. We felt like that was, it was, it was a calling really. It was like something that we felt really like this is where we wanted to give our lives to. So when I tasted the Burundi coffee and realized there was really nobody sourcing or exporting specialty coffee from Burundi because it was just opened up. The market had just become privatized from a government-controlled now to anybody could do it. So I just sent emails to a bunch of different people, importers, exporters, saying, uh, we're moving to Burundi to find specialty coffee. If you want any, give us a call. Which is not 
I guess, the way you go about starting a business. But that's how we started. So we just took the leap and we decided we'd move to Burundi. And um, fortunately, we had uh, we had a great company, Schluter, who came along and said, actually, this is, lines up exactly with our mission. And they, I was... I ended up being a full-time consultant for them for two years, sourcing coffee. And so what, like, I guess, what is the, what's the mission behind what you guys are doing now? And I know that you've, you built the, the wash, the wash station, I believe. And like, what, what's the mission behind it? Well, there was a shift that happened in order to explain the mission. I think there, I could tell you about, um, just sourcing coffee wasn't when Ben talks about coming to Burundi when we landed, we realized we're not really implementing change in any farmer's lives, and we don't really know any farmers personally. This is after a year and a half of being in Burundi. And so we kind of looked around, and we were like, well, where's the place where you could potentially see change and where all the farmers have to go? Um, and it is a washing station. All the farmers uh, need a washing station. They need someone to process their coffee. And so... We, saw, we thought this is a great road into communities and also we could control the quality of the coffee at the stations versus not having any control over it by just sourcing. So that's really why we decided to make the shift is we saw that we're not really doing anything. So we had a moment. We had this yeah. moment in a car. We're driving around and we weren't even in Burundi. We were visiting South Africa again over Christmas, and we we're driving. And we we're like, we either need to leave Burundi or do something. Like, there's no other option. It felt like a very dramatic moment, you know. Like, you you either choose A or B. There's no. And that something was build a washing station. Yeah. So we wrote a blog post and said, hey, people, this is what we'd really love to do. And within like 48 hours, the station was funded. And we just, wow. and that was January, March is when harvest starts and we didn't even have land. So we, <laughs> so we Wait, quickly, what, what, uh, what, what year was this? This is 2011. No, no, no. 2011. Or sorry, no. 2013. 2013. So this is 2013. 2013. Okay. Yeah. Okay. January, 2013. January, 2013. We decided we're just going to do this thing. And, um, we had no idea that building a washing station actually meant owning a business. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, hey, we just we, learned that too. So, so we're we're four years behind. Yeah, we. Oh my gosh, it was. We had no clue that those two were connected. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah. So January, Christy wrote the blog post, and if you can go back to longmilescoffee.com, you look it up, and like you, I think it's probably still on there. Like this first, you know, like we're trying to do this thing, and all of a sudden, February by February seventh. We had found the land and we started to clear out the eucalyptus trees that were on this hill. And in April 7th, the first farmers started bringing cherries to us. And I think it was, it was that day, April 7th, 2013, where I remember coming back from the first night of collecting cherries and kind of looking at Christine like, oh no, like we, we, we've just invested all of our savings. We've, we've started a business we didn't realize. We have no idea what we're getting ourselves into. And it's probably pretty good that we didn't know. <laughs> so that's a very long answer. <laughs> yeah, very long answer. question of, like, what's the mission? But the mission really is to see change in, in very rural places in Burundi. So, and also to produce amazing coffee. And we think the two can go together without being... 
yeah, too heavy-handed with, with one or the other. It seems to be working really well that we can both see change, like see farmers be able to buy shoes for the kids and, and make small changes like buy a goat or buy more coffee land. And it's just small, little, tiny things. The first year we got really excited when a woman gave us a bunch of bananas. And she was just like, this, this is... She, she just crying. thanked us for opening the station. She didn't have to walk as far. She thanked us for being fair. Just, it's amazing that the micro movements that just really affect change. And so that's really what we wanted to be a part of. We didn't, yeah, we just wanted to be able to see that kind of change around us. So that's, that was really the, the mission from the beginning. And then we felt like Burundi's full of potential, but it's not actually reaching its maximum level for quality with coffee. So we thought, hey, wouldn't it be amazing if we could control some of those processes and produce an amazing coffee? So that's kind of, those were the goals. It's amazing to see that, uh, like, we're out, you know, obviously we're out here in the United States. And so the, the importance of something like a washing station for, for people to be able to get, like, a goat and to be able to buy stuff for their kids that's incredible that you're able to affect uh, change in that way. Can you talk? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, what you do? You you employ local people on your farm, or how does that work? Full time. Well, we started off with one guy working for us, <laughs> and now we've got about just over fifty full time staff. And during the peak of harvest, we've got about six hundred staff per day working working with us and kind of looking at it from just a impact perspective our first year that 2013 when we started we had a hundred was 162 farmers I think 162 farmers and then this last year we were just shy of 5,000 farmers that we were working with and I guess and the way Burundi's set up is we're not actually we do have a coffee, a traditional coffee plantation, I guess, where we own some land and have trees, but that's not our main purpose. Like our main purpose is to work with those 4,500 something families, or maybe it's closer to 5,000 now. I think it was, yeah, it was creeping up there. It's not quite 5,000, but to work with those families. So they bring us their, their coffee and we work with them instead of so we don't own masses of land and, and produce coffee that way. We're working with very small holding farmers. These farmers might have 50 trees. They might have 300 trees. The really, really, really um, big ones will have maybe one to 2,000. Yep. And that's the kind of level we're working with. We're working with very small um, farmers with very minimal land. Not a lot of land, not a lot of trees, and we're trying to, they're trying to get the most out of, of their small space. And coffee is pretty much the only form of income for any of these farmers. Yeah, they also, it's their only cash crop. They, they will grow things, they subsistence farm for the rest of their, uh, the rest of their things to, to eat, but then this is their one thing they get so that they can, you know, buy books for their kids to go to school or pay school fees or whatever they want to do that's kind of on that level where they're, where they're actually needing cash, so... For like pure impact level, one of the things that we get excited about then is, all right, if this is their only source of income, like 
obviously we have to maximize this for these farmers. And the only way we can maximize it is if we have an amazing coffee. So we work really hard at year on year getting better quality coffee. But then the other thing is Burundi producers have one of the lowest yields per tree because of there's been so much conflict. The, they're not taking care of their land. There's there's just all sorts of reasons. And so each tree in Burundi averages around 500 grams of cherry per tree. And then you cross that with Kenya, and Kenya's getting five, six kilos of cherries per tree. So we're getting just a fraction of what we could be getting per tree. So one of the more exciting things is just trying to find out, one is paying farmers more for their cherries, which is a, a direct benefit, but then trying to develop programs where farmers can increase their yields. And I think that's become one of the more rewarding aspects of impact on just on a, just a pure economic level. Yeah, and that's easy. That's at least easy for us as non-farmers to understand. Like, if you can increase the yield per tree that they have, that's huge. That's that's pretty amazing. You know, we've got a program that we that we started called our Coffee Scout program, and each of these Coffee Scouts have farmer friends, and essentially it's a training program for farmers. And the farmer friends have been tripling and even quadrupling their yields per tree. So a lot of uh, a lot of what you're doing is kind of education around uh, farming and coffee and helping them yield more. Yeah, I think so. I think when we started in 2013, we realized really quickly that we put everything we owned and raised as much money as we could and borrowed as much money as we could and got through a year and then realized not only were these farmers not making enough money, but if we didn't help increase their yields, we were going to lose the business because we couldn't make a living out of what we were producing. So kind of self-preservation and kind of like, oh my gosh, this is what poverty looks like. We have to make a difference. That's one of the reasons why our, our head agronomist at the time, Epaphras, uh, we, we sent him to Rwanda to get some training on pest control and organic farming. And he came back with this idea for these coffee scouts. And that idea launched in 2013 with four young people just out of high school, couldn't get a job, couldn't go to university. And those four have now multiplied into 26 coffee scouts and there really are boots on the ground doing this training program on every one of the hills that we work with. They're also totally my heroes. <laughs> yeah, who's your hero? Coffee scouts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> so what kid, let's uh let's geek out a little bit about the the farming. So how do you what what goes into determining I guess what what varietals you're going to grow? How long does it even take? You, like they show up with, you know, the cherries for your your coffee tree. How long does it take until you can actually get something usable from a coffee tree? How long does a coffee tree take to grow? Um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So Burundi's is kind of unique. It's it's a private coffee sector, but there's a lot of control still um, by the government. Just just of how to do things. And one of the things that the government stipulates is that 
the varietal that we can grow is Bourbon. So it's only Bourbon, which is great if you're like me and you just love Bourbon coffee. So it's wonderful. So if you get any Burundi coffee, you're going to get a Bourbon. And, and they have typically, now this might be shifting, but also they didn't want you to grow your own seed. So you could only get seed from the agriculture department of the government. So they would supply you with trees or um, seeds. So for us, every year we, we get kilos and kilos of, and for the Americans, pounds and pounds of seeds. And we make nurse, nurseries every year. And it takes about a year for the seed to grow into a seedling. And then we transfer those seedlings to the plots of land. And then the first harvest will come three years after that. So really it's four years from planting to harvest before you get a yield out of your crop. It's, I didn't realize how much of a process it is. So that's cool. What, um, so how do, you, how do you determine, I guess, like what the harvest you're getting, those 500 usable grams per tree, how do you, how do you increase that? What are, like, what are the things you're teaching to increase the yield? What, what's changing that they weren't doing before that they're doing now? And... Well, I was just in the fields with the scouts last week, and they, they're, <laughs> they all have pruning shears. That's their weapon of choice when they go out in the, in the fields. I view these guys as warriors, seriously, with their pruning shears and their hats and their red shirts. They're ready to go. So one big way is pruning. Um, so they'll prune back trees for farmers and they'll also encourage farmers to mulch and to, yeah, to do all sorts of organic fertilizers. Um, they'll even encourage farmers or give farmers plants that are organic fertilizers, that produce organic fertilizers into the soil. So a lot of nitrogen fixing plants and just teaching farmers basics about pruning, retuning, all of that stuff that they weren't doing. I mean, the, the trees are, are supposed to be bush size and they're, they're often, you know, eight feet tall or 10 feet tall. Oh, it's the 30 year old trees. They're, yeah. They're also very old. So part of what the scouts do is they, they give new trees to farmers. So there's a lot that goes into it. anything else. There's much more oh my, actually. There's, there's tons. I think, I think we, we've implemented the, the biggest impact straight away was just nurseries. Every hill putting in nursery for coffee trees. And then we realized, man, that the soil's just not good enough. So how do you increase soil health? And that's just become really our vision for long miles is how to increase soil health. And so these uh nitrogen fixing ground covers and the other thing is shade trees. And I think, you know, we We have a passion for trees. Yeah, man. we love we our trees. We are over the moon about shade trees. It's just ridiculous. So our, our washing stations, we, we're close to a rainforest called the Kibira. And so we've got a lot of natural or indigenous seeds that we can get from the forest. And so we've created five different varieties that we use for shade trees that are just straight from the forest. And so every hill, every year, we, we plant, um, I think this year was something around 8,000 shade trees and and those get distributed to through the coffee scouts into the community to their farmer friends these families that they work with and so it's a long term 
approach to a truly sustainable coffee. It's affecting climate change, it's affecting soil health, and it's affecting yields for the coffees. And I guess with the coffee scouts, the biggest thing that they do that we didn't mention, because we were talking about like the things they, you know, they're pruning and things, but they actually also speak with farmers constantly. Like they're constantly talking to farmers about when to pick cherries and when to leave them. And that type of thing, when we first started, we were getting green, yellow, every kind of cherry at the station. And now we get only red. And it's all because of the coffee scouts going out and saying, you can't pick too early. This is what you need to pick. So they're really, yeah, our voice extended, which is amazing. That was part one of our episode with uh, Long Miles Coffee in Burundi. Thanks for listening. Check out part two. Until then, my friends, grab a cup of coffee, take a sip and smile, and we'll see you next time for another conversation.